good to me. Live from the cold and frozen north, we are the Daves You Know. This is the Daves I Know. You want me to be that type of dude, and I want to be who you like me to, but we both know I can't do nothing at all. Welcome back to another week, uh, another cold fucking week uh, up here in Minnesota. Uh, we are the Daves You Know. We have the regular crew. Dan, how you doing? Not doing too bad. Spent the weekend up in Grand Marais, which was, uh, it was gorgeous. Uh, Lake Superior, uh, the water was so much warmer than the negative 20 to negative 30 degree air that it just steamed the whole weekend like there was steam pouring off the lake and, uh, i've been fortunate to spend a lot of time up in lake superior i have never seen that before so always always a surprise did you stop by the uh voyagers uh brew tap room twice uh <laughs> they had a blood orange uh i think it was their wit that they did a blood orange version of so we uh sat out on the patio and drank one of those and then popped in the next day and uh picked up a couple of crowlers I am often up in Duluth or in, you know, previous lives up in Duluth in the middle of the winter for like conventions and stuff. So I've got to see that, that crazy phenomena of like, yeah, the, just the steam coming off of Lake Superior. You're like, how in the, what the hell is actually happening? So it's very, it's a very cool. site. if you haven't got it, if you live in Minnesota, you haven't got a chance to check it out. I uh, highly encourage it. So uh, MJ, how about you? How are you doing? How was your weekend? It was great. I played my, let's see, you're counting fourth room ball game in below freezing temperatures uh, and we squeaked out a win 2-1 against a very good goalkeeper nice excellent excellent um i had uh an interesting weekend we uh the plan was to potty train ragnar at least <clears throat> try to potty train ragnar this weekend uh did not take unfortunately dan and i were chatting a little bit about it before you jumped on the call mj but uh suffice to say some progress was made and so that is the most important thing um he did take a massive dump on our uh, our bathroom floor on Saturday morning or on Friday morning, which is great because at least it wasn't in his uh, cloth diaper, which is there's a those are a pain in the ass to like clean out. Um, <laughs> if you ever have ever have kids, uh, cloth diapers are great for lots of reasons. Um, you know, anytime they poop in them, it's the fucking worst. So uh, highly, you know, better the floor. I mean, it's easier to clean up on the floor in, in a lot of respects than it is from, uh, especially depending on the type of poop it is. So, but that's not what you came to the podcast for. So listen to David talk about uh, his uh, kids' poops. I um, think shitty takes is part of our repertoire by now. That's that is one hundred percent true. Yeah, um, as massive as my child's poops are, I don't need to talk about them for any longer than we already have. So let's jump into the podcast. We have a, you know, a lot of stuff and weirdly nothing. Um, we have a little bit of United news. We're going to talk about some potential strikers. Uh, Dan did a Dan got real deep up in Grand uh, Grand Grand uh, and uh, figured out some uh, potential strikers that Minnesota could sign. So we're going to talk a little bit about those. Uh, we have some MLS news, some obviously some schedule stuff, and then uh, CCL as well as you know, kind of we kind of hinted at talking about TV contracts and stuff. So I think we could talk a little bit about that, what those look like, um, especially considering the soccer lands, the soccer TV landscape here in the U.S. is going to 
um, has changed. You know, actually, before after our, our discussion last week, ESPN announced that they had acquired the rights to the Belgian league, um, and they started playing those games this weekend. So, I don't know if you are ESPN Plus subscribers, you now have access to the Belgian league, and you can watch some young boys, not just on Disney Plus or on Hulu. <laughs> you can watch them on ESPN Plus. That joke would have worked a lot better if Young Boys had been a Belgian team, but they're Swiss, man. Oh fuck! Right, damn it. <laughs> thank you, thank Shit. you, Dan. I was going to mention that. Fuck. All right, sorry guys. I yeah, my shitty joke did not land. Uh, if you but want Bruges, Bruges, if you're a fan of Bruges, Bruges or if you're a fan, yes, if you're a fan of, you want to know which sporting club Genk. first started doing Seven Nation Army at sporting events. It right. actually was not. Not an NFL team or a Major League Baseball team. It was actually Rouge. Genk, Genk is a Belgian team, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they, uh, and they, they have an American. Mark, yeah. Mark right. McKenzie that they got from the right. Union. All right. There you go. You redeemed yourself, David. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, all right. Well, fuck that. Anyways, uh, <laughs> we've got more bullshit like that. Patreon.com slash the Daves I know. Uh, help support the Daves that you know. Uh, we are going to be doing our, uh, we're actually going to like, I think hopefully in a couple weeks here, I need to check in with you guys and with um, Rodrigo and Eric about doing our actual, like we're going to rank the you know top 10, maybe, maybe go down to like top 12 or leagues or something like that. So we make sure we get a, a, a variety of leagues and really argue about it and uh, really have a, a, a more robust conversation. Uh, it was great having Jerry on for that podcast, but I don't think we actually got into the, uh, the fun argument part that I was really hoping that we would do. I didn't really want to uh, waste Jerry's time with that. So We'll get to that very soon. Hopefully, in the next couple of weeks here before the season starts. Uh, also, met with Christian uh, from Hop Clouds, and we're going to be hopefully finalizing beer information uh, very soon. And so we're going to break down how you can get signed up for that. If you already signed up as a Patreon, uh, you really won't have to do anything. Uh, if you are, uh, if you're not yet, this would be a great opportunity and a great time to to get in. Just get in at the three dollar a month level. Um, if you stick with that throughout the year, I guarantee you're going to get three. Uh, sweet ass beers from the hop cloud. So uh, consider that as well. So patreon.com slash the days I know to help support the days that you know. So let's jump in first and foremost with the United news. Again, not a ton uh, that we, you know, we, we, I don't think we were expecting to have a ton of United news. Um, we'll, uh, this is per a, a article from Jeff Ruder in the, at the athletic Ozzy Alonso uh, signing a new deal, uh, which apparently includes the rest of his career. So who knows if that's a, I guess it's probably a, a one-year deal with a you know an option, a team or player option for a second year if he wants to stick around, and then a role. It also guarantees him a role with the club after he retires, which I think is great. And Dan, I know you have some thoughts uh, on this specifically. Yeah, for sure. I I'm way more excited about the post-career stuff uh, than the remainder of his career. Uh, but Ozzy is just so legendary within MLS as being a phenomenal leader that I wouldn't be surprised to see him start very few games this year, you know, cycle in a little bit as his health allows, but not really have the team count on him quite the way they did even last year. Uh, but just having him taking a role and, and committing to this club, I think is, is fantastic. Um, I suspect quite a few Sounders fans are upset that he isn't coming back to start leading youth teams or working with the front office. I'll be really interested to see what he wants to do in the second phase of his career. Uh, but I'm really glad he's doing it with Minnesota United. Right. He, he has a couple options. He could, he could go the Adrian Heath uh, coaching route, uh, or he could go the front office, Amos McGee, Manny Lagos route. If he wants to 
take more of a front office role. And he has, he has basically, you know, some former players in both of those roles that he can, he can take, you know, really get out to learn from what, whether, what you, whatever you say about, you know, you want to say about Manny Lagos in terms of his like team building in those first couple of years, the guy has a lot of experience, both also as a coaching side too. So he has got a, a lot of experience uh, of people to talk to about his next phase. MJ, did you have something? I really am excited just because I've wanted to have Ozzy Lonzo mentor someone like a wheel trap mentor someone to take over the sixth role also i'm been pretty harsh on the whether it's sean mccauley or whoever on whoever's in charge of defense on this team and to have another defensive-minded person whether that is in the coaching staff whether that is in the front office wherever he may be this is super exciting for those wanting to see that improvement of Minnesota United defense. Yeah. So we have a few more tidbits from the, the, the Ruder article. Um, there was discussion of a, <clears throat> excuse me, guys, a possibility of a 4-3-3 with Reynoso pushing out to the left to take over that Kevin Molino spot. Um, I don't want to speculate too much on any of that stuff, just sort of throwing it out with the things that we we heard or, or saw if you, you're not a member, a subscriber to The Athletic. Yeah, MJ? Remember when I said we need to find a way to get Sonny Dotson in the starting lineup? Out that left? Would be one, that would be one way. <laughs> there you go. Uh, he did mention that the Adrian Hanu uh, rumors are still ongoing. Um, Ren are, as we mentioned last week, are still competing for European spots. So very un, like very unlikely that that happens before the uh, end of the year uh, French uh, season ends, which is on, I believe, May 22nd or 23rd. So it's possibly we could see him in the in the summer as a, uh, a summer replacement. Uh, he did mention Patrick Wea, uh, the 17 year old uh, cousin to Tim Wea, uh, nephew of, um, yeah. Uh, George. George Wea, right, sorry. Uh, he's close to signing a homegrown, homegrown contract. Apparently he trained with the first team in 2020 last year. So um, that is good. Uh, I don't, I've never seen this kid, so I have no idea how he plays. I would imagine he's a pretty damn good soccer player. Um, and the last little bit of, uh, of information, uh, apparently Chase Gasper was getting some international attention uh, from Viking FK in the uh, Norway first division, the Elitisarian. I don't even know how to pronounce that in Norwegian. There was no formal offer made, but apparently the athletic was able to, uh, to get a source that said that they were looking at Chase Gasper as a potential uh, international um, signing for, for Viking FK in, in Norway. I think they're uh, somewhere like six, six or seventh in the, first division in order right, right now. So that's the, the little bits, tidbits and pieces from Jeff Reuter. Uh, we don't have, I mean, with Ozzy signing, um, we don't have a ton of, I mean, we, there are certainly like spots that we really need to fill striker being the first one. We don't have a ton of uh, open roster spots. So I don't think, I mean, obviously there's, you can always bring in better players to compete. Um, I definitely think, you know, I think we're pretty much full up in the midfield. Um, you know, obviously striker is the big one. Are there any other uh, sort of glaring holes that, as you guys see in terms of the Minnesota United depth chart as it currently is uh, currently constructed? You know, well, we talked about this, but left wing is right. still right. You know, the center midfield we're we're jam packed. The attacking midfield, you know, who's who's next in the depth chart after after Reynoso? Now that we don't have Kevin Molino. And who do we have at left wing besides uh, what would be Gleedle or, you know, Reynoso slides in there in a 4-3-3. Three, three. 
Um, Robin Lude, baby. And Chacon. Chacon. Yeah. Dan? Yeah, I'd be really surprised if Chacon opens the season in the starting lineup. I'd be pleased, uh, but we just ha- we haven't seen anything from him that speaks to that level of readiness. Maybe he has a crazy good off season, uh, but that, that would surprise me. Um, I'll be interested to see what the team thinks of uh, Justin McMaster and Nabi Kibinguchi in terms of, are they potentially starting caliber players? Are they even stop gaps at this point in time? Um, I really don't think that the team will wait on Hanu. I, I think if he's not available for the start of the season, they'll move on. Uh, there's too many available players that they can get at about the same rate for them to say, well, we're going to put all of our eggs in this basket. I'm sure, I'm sure there are other names on their board. Hanu is just happens to be the one that, that has leaked out. Right. Um, I'm still completely baffled by how, how Ren are treating him that they're not willing to sell this player who is, their joint leading scorer, but who also they won't start. It's just like, that's really weird to me. Yeah. Um, you know, but f- the French league is tight this year. I don't blame them for wanting to see how things play out a little bit, but if Minnesota is making a fair market offer, I'd be a little surprised if they didn't move on that. But yeah, I mean, I think not to belabor the point, if we don't get a striker, that's a huge mistake. Honestly, I think it is almost as, it is, it is the largest mistake. Moving Lude over to the left again, I, to me, is almost a mistake of the same size. That We have seen him fail so repeatedly there that I don't, I don't want to see that again. I don't, like, I don't know. Looking through the, the depth chart that Matthew Doyle posted today, uh, or sorry, earlier this week, uh, it really strikes me how this team is really deep at some positions and super shallow at others. And I, I'd like to see that even out a little bit. I mean, you look at the six and it's Ozzy Alonso, Will Trapp, Ja'Cory Hayes, who isn't even listed on here. Right. So, yeah. Like those are four players who can legitimately play the six and Dotson's Dotson's such a swing that maybe he doesn't really matter because he can fit in a depth chart anywhere, but it's really interesting to see so much depth at some positions, particularly on the back line. And then you look up top and it's like, there's nothing behind Reynoso. Lude is not an option on the left. We have no starting striker. Like if this team doesn't get some offensive help, they had better be planning to win a lot of games, uh, zero to negative one. And I'm not (laughs) really sure how they plan to do that. Yeah. Go back and looking at at the Doyle's uh, um, depth chart. I was was like, oh yeah. Cause I also don't think, I think given his druthers, Adrian Heath wouldn't have Ethan Finley start regular minute. I mean, he would start, but like, you know, every third game or something and, and come on as sort of a super sub. Um, ideally, you, you, you make that a moot point. If you have uh, a good solid left winger, you can move loot over to the, to the right. Um, but yeah, so definitely, yeah, definitely. You guys are both right. We need, we need help on the wings, uh, specifically the left wing. And then obviously the striker. So let's, yeah, go ahead, MJ. It's a weird problem to have because for years, Minnesota United has been acquiring wingers at a larger rate than I get Buffalo wings at any given bar in the Twin Cities. They just love their wings. And this year, because of Molino and because of other issues, we, we are short on wings. We, we don't have this abundance of wings. So let's, let's actually talk about, uh, so Dan identified a few wingers or sorry, a few strikers 
that uh, could be fits for Minnesota United. And uh, let's let's talk. So we 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 should also mention the uh, Doyle's is trying to uh, God bless his soul, trying to uh, speak Santos Bore into existence as a striker for uh, Minnesota United. He's out of contract at the end of this year. Uh, he is a, a very valuable striker. I think it's what sixteen million according to transfer marked and. You know, take transfer mark with a grain of salt, but it's it is a, it's a good way to sort of as a measuring stick for the rest of these guys. But uh, Santos Bore would be would be uh, fucking amazing and would solve a lot of problems for Minnesota, especially at that striker position. I don't necessarily think that's going to be the case. I don't think Minnesota is going to spend that kind of amount of money that, to get a guy like that. Although out of contract, you know, you never know. Um, Dan, who are some of the other people that you are trying to also will into existence for Minnesota? <laughs> Yeah, so last thing on Santos Bore, I, I'd love to see it. He would fit the system perfectly, but and, and this is he's the type of player who makes me think that Adrian Hanu, if he doesn't come here in January, will not come this summer because why wouldn't you just wait for an out of contract player like Santos Bore? Uh, so real, real Dave's I know heads will remember that last off season I got on a tear about Yoada Visa Visa, sorry, uh, who at the time was absolutely tearing up the uh, French second division. Uh, so he continued to do that, scored 15 goals last season for Lorient and uh, got him promoted. They ended up winning League Two. They are currently safe, albeit not super safe, uh, but it looks like they will not necessarily be relegated right back down. And Joanna uh, Luisa is their joint top scorer. So he's a, uh, for those of you who did tune into that one podcast where I wouldn't stop talking about this last winter. Uh, he's a 24-year-old Congolese international, predominantly plays on the left wing, can also play as a center forward. So that's a really nice fit. Uh, one nice thing about them getting promoted to Ligue 1 is we have a better sense of his profile now because there's more stats for Ligue 1. Uh, he's really strong in the air. He's a phenomenal through ball player. Uh, goal scoring rate, perhaps unsurprisingly, uh, is down from last year, but he still has six goals on the season. Uh, his value has gone through the roof. It scored against PSG the last time that Lorient played them, 3-2 loss, but still. Uh, transfer marked has him at about $8.8 million. So uh, as Dave correctly noted, take all of those transfer values with a grain of salt. But comparatively, that's sort of interesting. So he's definitely still there. Um, we uh, We had someone get in contact with us after last year and – tell us that he had actually shown up on a Minnesota United board at some point that as a player that they were interested in, but that he was way more expensive than we thought he was. Uh, and his value has gone up notably from last year. So let's, I would love to see that happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, right. Right. And, and, but this goes back to the point that we were talking about um, last week is that Minnesota has actually identified the, the French leagues as a, as a place of potential value and then coupled with the fact that, you know, the TV mark, the TV contracts just fell through uh, a hole in the floor. Um, there's a potential value for, you know, getting players out of, out of France right now. And obviously Minnesota has the, the connection with Romain Metnir and Debassi. So these guys make, make some sense. Yeah. And whoever they've got scouting over there has clearly developed some good relationships. So um, I think for a league like MLS and for a team like Minnesota United that doesn't have the profile of an Atlanta or an LA galaxy necessarily, those relationships are really critical because you're at some point, you're going to have to get into either the player's ear or the agent's ear and convince them that leaving Europe for the U S is actually the right decision for their career. And for some players that may be, uh, 
impossible. They may want to stay in Europe. They may they may rather play in the French second division. We'll, we'll get to that player here in a second. But there's plenty of people who may be interested in coming to the U.S. Uh, one player I won't talk about now, uh, one of Hoffenheim's strikers, is represented by Wasserman, which is an agency out of L.A. predominantly, I think. And so, you know, it's an interesting question. Is that type of player easier to convince because their agent is at least a little bit familiar with the league or, or not? Yeah. Uh, staying in France, though, my second player that it's at least worth keeping an eye on is Mama Balde. Uh, he's a 25-year-old Bissau Ghanaian. He's got Portuguese eligibility. Uh, spent a lot of time with the Sporting Lisbon Academy. Bounced around a little bit in Portugal. Uh, didn't get a ton of time for sporting, but does have reps there. He's right-footed, plays predominantly up top, but at points in this season has started on both wings. So that gives the team a little bit of flexibility. Uh, he's slightly above average goals per 90 for league on, but he's a really, really good progressive dribbler and he likes to cut in centrally so what excites me about that profile is that seems to work really well with someone like Reynoso so if he can take the ball off of Grey Goosh somewhere between the midline and the 18 dribble up a little bit find Reynoso with a pass and continue his run that's the type of striker I think will excel in this system so transfer marked has him uh he's cheaper than Visa uh Wiesa. I don't know why I keep getting the V in there. He's not German. Uh, not Austrian, six, yeah. Yeah, at 6.6 million. And the big question here, uh, so he plays for Dijon, and, and the question is, uh, what are Dijon going to do? So they are terrible this season. Uh, they are currently joint bottom on 15 points. They are seven points behind Lorient for safety and four points behind even the playoff spot. So the way league going works is similar to the Bundesliga. Your bottom two teams are automatically relegated. Your third bottom team plays a, a two-legged uh, winner, winner stays in the league on uh, tie. So uh, for reference, the fewest points in the league on season is 17. So Dijon and, and Nim with currently 15 are not quite at that level, but pretty freaking bad. Uh, so what do you do with a player like Balde, who's 25? You can probably draw a pretty solid fee for him. The flip side is, and, and we did see this with Wisa, these types of players can tear up League Two. So if they think, hey, we're, you know, this was a freakishly bad season, we got, you know, we got hit by COVID or, or something else, we think we can come right back up, then this is a type of player they probably won't sell. If they're saying, you know, we kind of rode some luck over the last two years. I think they finished 16th last year, last year, or the year before. So they haven't been good for a while. Maybe this is the type of player that they would turn around and sell. So that's, he's an interesting player. I really, really like his profile. Um, but I, I just have availability questions on him. Right. And the thing with uh, going back to sort of the, the league on uh, being a, a potential fertile ground for, for teams to pluck Minnesota plucked a couple of players out in the last couple of years before the TV contracts up. So now lots of leagues around the world are looking at league and being like, Hey, we can maybe get some value out of here too. So it's not just Minnesota and MLS teams are, are, you know, looking, eyeing up league owned players as potential, um, potential value as well. So, yeah. I mean, if we were having this discussion, let's say three or four weeks ago, a player I would have put on this list 100% is Josh Maja, who, uh, if you watch season two of Sunderland Till I Die, which you all should, because it's excellent, uh, features heavily in that. He moved to Bordeaux, 
played okay for Bordeaux, but maybe not great. And now uh, scored two goals against an unnamed blue team from Merseyside over the weekend. Uh, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll deal with our various European travails later. But yeah, I mean, he, Fulham basically did exactly what David said. Like, they looked at a player whose profile looked okay. They felt like they could get a good value for him. And so far, so good. It's one game. So, you know, don't, don't you know soil any pants over it but he is the type of player and a lot of these guys are that i'm sure multiple teams are looking at i just think that minnesota united should be one of them moving on to a player that virtually no one is looking at but you guys i i got into the stats on this i spent so much time looking up league two stats on valentine's day it is an absolute miracle that i wasn't (laughs) left in grand marais uh so i you you better be fucking happy with his research uh is a guy named Reese Healy. Uh, Reese Healy is 26. He is English with Welsh eligibility. Originally signed by Cardiff, uh, kicked around uh, England and Wales from 2014 to 2019. Um, played for a bunch of different clubs. MK Dons for a while. Uh, uh, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? He had injuries in 2015 and 2016 that derailed his career a little bit. I mean, you get a player who's on loan depending on the loan situation that can, that can be a little dicey anyway, then he's injured. And that just kind of complicates things. There was also a deal where he was going to go on loan and then FIFA stepped in and quashed it. So his career has been a little bit weird. Uh, He's right footed. He can play a little bit on the left wing, but he's predominantly a straightforward striker. When he's healthy, he's productive. Uh, He scored 11 goals last year for MK Dons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boo, boo, boo. And has, Eight goals in nine starts this season for Toulouse. They are currently third in League Two. So his goals per 90 is the highest in League Two, despite the fact that he's uh, a English. little bit. I, well, yeah, despite the fact that he's English. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the current uh, the current goal leaders uh, are. Uh, are like 35 and 36, respectively. So it's clearly a, a league where. I don't want to say players past their prime, but guys that may not be able to quite hack it in League O can kind of tear up League Do. So I, I really look at a player like Reese Healy as someone who's kind of been knocked off his trajectory. He has something of a pedigree. He trialed with Man City. So clearly there's enough there to, to get him into some interesting spaces in his career, but it just kind of hasn't, he hasn't put the pieces together. Transfer Marked estimates his value at 385K. This to me is the type of player that could absolutely thrive in MLS. You watch his, his highlights. Look, he's not, <laughs> he's not going to light the world on fire, but it's a lot of just good striker play. It's seeing where a, a ball is going to bounce. It's uh, being fearless around a goalkeeper. Like he's, he's a really solid player. And he, I, the, the longer I looked at his profile, the more interesting he became to me. So I'd love to see United take a gamble on him, partially because it's just not going to be that expensive. I'll, I'll skip to the last one here. So here's my dark horse. And uh, I'll admit this is a, this is a long shot. I think United should go after Josh Sargent. <clears throat> and here's, here's why. So one for Bremen's terrible. And for Josh Sargent's career development, he needs to not play there anymore. Um, he's still super young, right? He's age 20. He's, still got that kind of prospect shine to him. He just hasn't 
been that productive with Bramon. And part of that comes down to he's not getting good service. Uh, Bramon's terrible, uh, aforementioned. But also, we're not even seeing like uh, like a game like Matthew Hope had uh, earlier this year for Schalke, where he came out of nowhere and scored a Hattie. Like there, we haven't seen Sargent really take over. And so, while his estimated transfer market value is still just south of ten million million with an M, not a B, I uh, my gut feeling is teams are less interested in him now than they were before. I think the teams that really want a twenty-year-old who has some experience, but not all of it's good, maybe part of a bad system. I feel like Minnesota United could make a pretty decent offer. Um, so that's my uh, that's my pipe dream. Like, I don't think it's going to happen, but I'd be pretty stoked if they did. Minnesota's currently, just FYI, 25th in the allocation uh, order right now. <laughs> so we have to trade a significant amount of money to uh, Austin or LAFC or Houston Dynamo. Um, to get up to the uh, top of the allocation order list. But MJ, do you have any thoughts on any of these guys uh, that, you know, Dan brought up? My only thought on, on Dijon is uh, Dijon started going south in 2009 when Dijon mustard was uh, no longer manufactured in the city of Dijon and went to a nearby town. My only thought on the Josh Sargent uh, long shot is, I think we have a better chance of getting Ed and Jekko from, from Roma than we do Josh Sharkin, which is insane a whole lot. That's, there you go. Jekko is, uh, for someone, I, I watched a lot of Ed and Jekko when he was at Man City, and he was not that impressive there. And uh, as a as a quasi-Roma fan, I can tell you, he is notably better for Roma than he ever was for Man City. Uh, but he is also beloved there. All right. Well, hey, Dan, that, thank you, Dan. That was, uh, again, I'm, I'm also glad that your wife didn't decide not to leave you up in Grand Marais. Thank you, Gretchen. <laughs> I'm doing, yeah, Gretchen all for all that work. That, uh, so yeah, I, I think, you know, it's always, it's always fun around to, to play around with that. And or if you guys follow, uh, this listeners of the podcast, uh, fbref.com, the football reference page actually has a, a cool player raider now. And you can actually like match up several players. They only do the, the top five leagues in Europe, MLS, and I believe the WSL are where they have like the actual, the data for, but so you could actually see some of these uh, league owned players and compare them to, you know, and see what their MLS comparison and stuff is. It's kind of a, kind of a cool little feature. So, all right. A couple other, just very minor Minnesota United related notes. Uh, so in the, in the uh, Jeff Ruder also had an article with uh, Dr. Bill McGuire, where he interviewed Dr. Bill uh, last week. And it was mentioned that the, the ML, MNUFC TV deal is actually up after last year which is not a thing that I knew. I think everybody kind of thought it was going through the end of this year. Um, in actuality, it sounds like the TV deal is, is up and they're negotiating a new TV deal right now. Um, we're talking TV deals generally with the MLS and MLS is actually part of their deal is that they don't want anybody to sign a TV contract past the end of the 2022 season as they're trying to negotiate all of the, all of the TV contracts for there. So It'd be interesting to see if, if Minnesota strikes a deal where they try to do something over the air, um, maybe a, uh, a KMSP K, or yeah, KMSP or Channel 45, which is where they were on for several years back in the uh, early 20, 2010s, um, Channel 45, uh, or they try and negotiate some sort of uh, over the air OTT deal on top of a, a, a deal with like the FSN 
or the, I guess, Bally's BSN, BSN now or whatever the hell it is, uh, to try and get the games. So maybe having a, a uh, the BSN deal, but also doing something over the air for, for folks too. So that'd be interesting. I'm, I'm excited to, to little bit for, learn a little bit more about that. We should hopefully learn more very soon. And then the other sort of very small bit of MLS news is, is we're going to get a new white shirt from uh, Adidas this year. Um, whatever the off the rack white thing you if you look at the uh the white shirts that have already been leaked they're all very similar they have some sort of minute detail you know i'm sure it'll be some sort of like lunai or something will be the 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 design but it'll basically be a, a plain white t-shirt with a couple of stripes on it so uh do you guys have any any other any quick thoughts on that otherwise we can jump into talking about mls news no matter how boring and plain white that shirt is it can't be as bad as the snowdrift kit right there was the weird thing about that. So I actually like that snowdrift kit up close when I wear it because you can actually see the detail. You cannot pick up any of that detail at all when they're wearing it or from like more than like five feet away. So it's really great when I'm like, you know, trying to make sexy eyes at my wife and she's like five feet from me. But if anybody else, I'm trying to wear that for anybody else. It's not going to work. So, yeah, I don't want to get within five feet of you. No, no one does. Not even my wife. I mean, we, we had sex twice. We had two kids. We'll have a kiss I can get on the way. We've had sex twice. So, um, you know, we're not your children, right? Yeah, I know. All right. MLS news. So as we sort of alluded to last week, MLS is officially pushing back the start of the season. Uh, they needed to, obviously they were in the middle of all those, uh, super awesome contract negotiations. So they pushed all their league business back. Season's going to open April 17th, uh, which means most teams will report on March 1st. Then there's a seven-day at-home quarantine period with March 8th being the first day of official team training. The teams that are in the Canadian Championship, uh, which is Toronto, or the CCL, uh, which is Atlanta, Philly, Columbus, and Portland, all can report a little bit earlier because uh, they have games coming up sooner than the 17th. So that is that. I most mentioned that the full schedule, they're hoping to have the full schedule announced in early March. There's the same issues that we talked about Last year with the border, uh, doesn't look like Canada is going to open the border up anytime soon. In fact, I think they just announced recently that it's going to, it's still locked down for a long time, which means more than likely that the Canadian teams will be playing, will be based in the United States. There was a rumor uh, that Whitecaps are not going to be playing at Portland uh, or Seattle. They'll be actually based out of Salt Lake uh, and playing at the, uh, the Rio Tinto uh, as well, which actually kind of makes a little more sense as there is, they have a, a much bigger complex uh, there than I believe either Seattle or Portland do. So that actually um, makes it a ton of sense. It actually wouldn't surprise me if, uh, if there was a Canadian based team up here in Minnesota with, with the Nessie and uh, you know, the, the facilities and stuff there. So do you think Toronto is going to be based here at the Nessie? I don't know. Montreal. So, I mean, they, they'd be playing at Eastern conference schedule, but I, I, I think it's, I think it's very unlikely but it wouldn't surprise me just considering the space that, you know, that they have here um, as opposed to, I mean, it'd be great if they can be based out of like Buffalo or someplace, but again, you can't cross the border anyway. So without doing any research on this, my guess is that uh, Toronto would pick uh, some stadium in, in Chicago over Minneapolis, but in the Twin Cities region, but I mean, it's not like they're gonna have any fans. So <laughs> what the fuck do they care? <laughs> I mean, would you rather play at Soldier Field or would you rather play at Allianz? I mean, I don't know. Probably rather play at Allianz, all things considered. But I have so much. Yeah, I have. Yeah, 
Uh, it's it's not just about it's about the training facilities too, MJ. That's the other that's the other thing too. So yeah, gotta the, make sure you have... is, is is a much nicer soccer pitch than, yeah. than Soldier Field. You don't have to sell me on that. And the, the final piece for MLS uh, is because the U.S. is such a shit show. Um, there's probably going to be fans in stadiums. I know uh, Governor Cuomo just announced, uh, was it yesterday or late last week, that uh, stadiums uh, will be able to have 10% of capacity, um, whether they're indoors or outdoors. So, you know, we're going to have fans. I don't think I'm a little I'm, a, I'm curious about what Minnesota will end up looking like. Um, I actually be chatting with Sean Aronson. Uh, the vice president of the St. Paul Saints uh, later this week, uh, we I had chatted with him right uh, right when the stadiums were basically back reopening. Uh, the St. Paul Saints had um, smaller numbers of people actually in their in their stadium, and I'm sure they're planning on that as again this year. So um, I, I, Minnesota will probably at some point have it. My guess is it won't be till you know the late summer, early fall when you know, and it really kind of think honestly depends on vaccinations and what the numbers are looking like there. So um, yeah. Do you guys have any, any thoughts on the uh, MLS schedule and, and revamps and everything? Yeah. Don Garber isn't the only one who is heading towards fans and stands. Uh, Dr. Fauci was actually asked about this today. Uh, he's notably a huge Washington nationals fan and uh, right. from, said that he firmly believed that he will be having a hot dog in the stands uh, this summer. So I, I think a lot of it depends you're right on vaccinations and then what happens with this UK variant. Um, those are kind of the, the two big X wow. factors, but vaccines are trending in the right direction. I, I don't think. And the Brazil and the South African variants too. Okay. Yeah, for right. sure. The um, UK one is much more prevalent here, but the Brazil one is in Minnesota was the first place where they noticed the Brazil variant and South African variant has been uh, showing up around, around the world. I don't think that one's actually showed up in the U S yet, but it might be good to get your buddy Zach back on to talk about, uh, to talk about some of this stuff, Dan. Yeah. I'll uh, throw him out a line. I'm sure he'd love, to, sure he'd love to. Um, yeah. I mean, well, obviously the news about vaccinations and stuff is good, um, uh, but it sounds like everything uh, that I've read, you know, we're actually secured the proper amount and, just, I guess just goes to show how fucked up this previous administration was in terms of like just this country not being prepared at all to try and vaccinate people. So um, hopefully that's hopefully Fauci's right. I would love to I would love to go to as many baseball and, and soccer matches as, as I possibly could. I'm not holding out a ton of hope. And you know, even with vaccine vaccinations, it's still you got to ha- trust that people are going to be smart about wearing masks and social distancing and all the other stuff. I don't think well, I don't think personally, I don't think we'll see full stands here in Minnesota till next year. But that's just me. Chances there are fans in the stands at Allianz for home opener this year in any capacity. Home opener? Zero percent. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I think the, the dates to start looking at would be July 1st and August 1st. I think those are, are very, very rational dates. June 1st would be optimistic, but I think it's still within the realm of possibility. Um, it just, so much of it depends on the state being able to ramp up vaccine distribution. Right. And I don't think that Dr. McGuire wants to open the stadium for people at anything less than 5,000 people. Right. I, even if he has the ability to at say what's so the capacity is what it's 18, 18,000. So even if he could do 10%, Right, he could do eighteen hundred, or maybe say, maybe say, just he could do ten percent of twenty thousand. So he could do two thousand people in there. I don't think it's worth it. I don't think he wants to open it up for less than. Uh, that's something that's going to more like 
at least break even, maybe make them a little bit of money. I don't think he's willing to take a loss on opening the stadium up again for, like I said, less than 3,500 people. It's probably would be where I think just and the conversations I've had with him and just listening to the podcast that he did with Wes and the, in the, you know, that's, that's, that's the read I get from him. So I don't know if you guys think any differently. That's a no. really good point, David, on the break even point for opening up the stadium. I don't think a lot of people think about that. It, it is a very good point. I get the dates I threw out uh, July and, and August are the point at which I think they could legitimately be at 50% capacity or higher. Um, right. I think the state, I think May 1st, the state probably has things loose enough that uh, they could theoretically open it. And that's where I think you're 100% right that McGuire's going to look at the PL for that and go, yeah, no, we're, we're just going to wait out of an abundance of caution and also a lack of money. <laughs> right. All right. Well, finally, uh, before we take a quick break, let's discuss the uh, so the CCL draw happened uh, last week as well. Uh, this starts April 6th with games on the 6th and the 7th. Uh, the first round, the round of 16, is a two-legged round. Um, so home and away matches. The, um, you can see the full draw on the MLS website uh, or just Google CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, for the MLS teams, Columbus Crew uh, drew Real Esteli, uh, which is a Nicaraguan team. Atlanta United drew Alajuense, which is a Costa Rican team. Uh Philadelphia Union drew Saprisa, which is also a Costa Rican team, and and Alhuense and and Costa Rica and Saprisa are very good, very good Costa Rican teams. The Union, um, you know, obviously won the Supporter Shield last year. Portland Timbers drew CD Marathon, which is a Honduran team, and then Toronto FC is still in this potentially. Uh, they are playing Forge FC for the Canadian uh, Championship, and then the winner of that uh, will play Lyon, which is probably the toughest draw. Um, Lyon was the only. Yeah. Mexican team that was in pot yes. two. Um, so the toughest draw for, for any, uh, any American team. So um, whoever wins that one's probably going to get knocked out by Leon. So do you guys have any uh, immediate quick thoughts on the CCL draw? I just want to give a shout out to longtime Dave's I know listener, Edu Rosales. Uh, his, his club in Costa Rica is uh, Alajuense. Right. Right. They, they finally won a, uh, a Apertura championship for the first time in many many years uh recently so uh shout out to him and Alpuense. and normally i would be cheering for any mls team in this competition including atlanta united but uh you gotta go with gotta go with a, a dude's club here right fuck atlanta i mean that's that's minnesota united spot right or seattle sounders or whatever so um Portland, dan, you, any- yeah dan do you have any thoughts uh, not beyond fuck Atlanta, but that's, you know, pretty, pretty bog standard for us. Right. Right. I think, I think Columbus gets through. Um, I think Atlanta probably gets through, but it wouldn't surprise me if hollow uh, you know, knocks them out Philadelphia and Saprissa, I think there's going to be a hell of a match. Um, I think those two teams will, can go toe to toe with each other. I think Portland gets through and I think, uh, Toronto FC, uh, definitely, um, especially, especially if it's forged, but I think Leon goes through in that match. So, It'll be interesting. We uh, that so the first round starts April sixth, uh, and then the second round I think starts at the end of April, the quarterfinals. And tournament progresses. I think the final is in October of later this year. So, all right, so, let's take a yeah. Sorry, go ahead, MJ. Last point is if if Columbus beats uh, Esteli, and if assuming Monterey beats uh, Pantoja, that Monterey versus Columbus game is going to be lit. That'll yeah. be a fun game. 
and, and, and yeah, Columbus actually, you know, with signing Kevin Molino, with signing BWP, you know, signing signing some depth to be able to, to make a run in this tournament. So it'd be actually it'd be fun to see Columbus, um, you know, make a run in, in the tournament and and maybe represent Concacaf uh, in the uh, gold in the uh, Club World Cup next year. So all right, let's take a quick, quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk some TV contract stuff as well as the rest of the world in soccer. We'll be right back. You want me to be that type of dude, and I want to be who you like me to, but we both know I can't do nothing at all. All right, and welcome back to the podcast. We talked very briefly last week and we were basically decided to, to bail on the conversation because we needed to get a little more data before we, um, you know, spread our, our regular bullshit around. Uh, but the TV contracts uh, for soccer in the United States is a, it, it's an interesting conversation because for the longest time, the U S was actually one of the best places in the world to watch a lot of soccer because you know, their soccer was kind of just, was owned by, you know, a lot of it was it was owned by like ESPN. Um, you know, we have the the Premier League with NBC and NBCSN, and they showed all the games. And it's the the rights are fracturing, and a lot of the rights are going to be coming up very very soon. Um, as I mentioned earlier, MLS uh, Don Garber or sorry Dan Grabber uh, said that the league um, is negotiating all of its media rights from its national U.S. and Canadian deals. It's international, local, over-the-top, and network rights, which expire at the end of the 2022 season. So um, we speculated a little bit about the MLS and that, you know, they're – we don't think that – at least I don't think they're going to get as big of a deal as they wanted with just their national games. So they're trying to sort of pivot and, and package everything, much like the, the NFL does – uh, where all the games are are packaged as one thing. You don't you don't sell it to local teams. Don't sell their own rights and things like that. So I think that's one way for them to to get back a little more money than they were expecting. But we have EPL. We have uh, Liga MX, which are both EPL and Liga MX are um, the higher rated of the of the three major uh, soccer rights in America. EPL and, and Liga MX are and Liga MX is number one. EPL is number two. MLS is a distant third when it comes to um, ratings in in soccer in, in the United States. So uh, we also have things like the Bundesliga, uh, La Liga, Serie A, the Champions League, USL has a lot of teams, both at the League One and the championship level, as well as the upcoming League Two. And then we have bigger international tournaments like the Copa Libertadores, uh, Gold Cup, the US Open Cup, FA Cup. Um, so there's that's so if you are a soccer fan, that's a lot of different leagues, a lot of different contracts and a lot of different uh networks that that they're on espn obviously uh you know was kind of the gold standard for a while especially with their world cup coverage i thought their espn world cup coverage was great and then they kind of like fell out of the soccer game completely uh, obviously nbc stepped up with the epl uh you have espn and fox have basically been the, the main mls partners for the last uh last several years cbs has stepped up in a big way with nwsl uh and the champions league uh, so I feel like there's a opportunity there, but, um, Dan, what you start, tell us, cause I know there's a lot of leagues that are going to be coming up here in the next couple of years. Um, what, what, you know, what are your thoughts on, on this and, um, where you might see some of those, uh, major, major leagues go? 
Yeah, I think one of the most interesting things about all of this is you look at the way that things have fractured over the last few years. I mean, I think what NBC showed with EPL is that there was an appetite for soccer in the United States beyond the World Cup. Those rights had been well bid for for a long time back, far before sort of soccer in the U.S. took off the way it has recently. Back when, if we were trying to stream, uh, you know, a, a Liverpool, Everton, or Arsenal game, eh, 50-50, we're watching it in, you know, Farsi or Chinese or one of any number of other languages that we've all watched our teams in. (laughs) Yeah. Russian. There are some good Russian streams, man. There are. Uh, And, and the word goal is pretty universal with all the fracturing. It feels like a lot of people tried to get in the game and now we may start to see reconsolidation partially because there just isn't a good way for soccer fans to watch all of the leagues that they want to without getting nickel and dimed by services. And I think there are numerous rights holders that are not necessarily getting the bang for their buck. And we know from France, there are leagues that are really unhappy with their lack of carriage in the U S. So a couple of huge things to sort of keep an eye on uh, Bayin, who we talked a little bit about last week, uh, who holds the French and Spanish rights, sorry, the French league and Spanish league, as opposed to French and Spanish language rights, uh, as well as a lot of South America, uh, Copa Libertadores, Copa Sudamerica. Uh, uh, who else do they have? Sorry, I can't read my own spreadsheet. Uh, I guess that's it. Uh, I thought they had the Brazilian league, but they don't. Um, all of those rights are up either after the 2022 or 2024 seasons. And despite the fact that they're very well backed, it seems like there's a chance that they may pull the plug. Um, they well, they're, are, well, they're, they're yeah, they, that's, they're part of the, the, uh, league own problem, um, in terms of like some of their, not, not here in the U S but in, in other parts of the, in other parts of the world, um, be it is, is losing money hand over fist. Right. And part of the problem is here in the U S because they're on typically a higher tier cable package. So these leagues aren't getting the exposure that they thought they were. So that's a huge problem. One of the other things to watch for, Serie A, the two Bayin Copas that I mentioned, NWSL, USL, MLS, the Brazilian League on Fanatas, uh, the CONCACAF Champions League, the EPL, La Liga, League on the Champions League on CBS, and that's it, Bundesliga is the last one, are all up between the end of this season and the end of the 2024 season. So for a rights holder like ESPN, potentially like Fox, there's an opportunity either to gobble up some more territory if they want to be in this game or to get out. And I'll be really interested to see what different properties start to do. The huge X factor here is something that David touched on in the open of this segment, which is Liga MX. It's hugely popular in the U S it's Spanish language rights are split between TUDN, Univision, Fox Deportes, ESPN Deportes, and a couple of others. Uh, that's one issue. Uh, the fact that they are more popular Spanish language than they are English language, the English language rights are growing. But the fact that we've got to both fork languages and league can get a little ooky, uh, considering somebody like ESPN is a little more used to just buying these rights wholesale. The other thing that makes this screwy is there is no centralized Liga MX TV contract. 
So broadcast rights depend entirely on the on on who the home team is. Uh, I'll admit I had not picked up on this. It makes me feel like an idiot. But if you've ever watched an English language game uh, on FS1 or FS2, it was either Cholos, Santos Laguna, or Monterey. Those are the three teams that Fox owns the right. English language rights to. And yeah. I never picked up on this. And I feel like a fucking idiot. Uh, it's like, wow, you know, I guess I watched a lot of Cholos games without picking, without putting two and two together that it was Cholos every time. So Fox is, is actively trying to get more of the English language rights. But because this is a team by team basis, there isn't always the appetite for putting in an English language infrastructure. COVID made that even more complicated. Yeah. If there were to be a centralized Liga MX TV contract, whoever won that bidding in the U.S. would instantly become a major player because the league is so popular. And that's I, – I don't know how possible that is. I don't know enough about the league structure to say, well, ownership – will never agree or it's entirely possible they will just haven't gotten around to it so that's a that's sort of the big x factor i think one of the other really weird things here is nbc's coverage of epl so thoroughly kicked off us tv interest in soccer and yet that's the only contract they have and i don't necessarily see them bidding for a lot more it makes me wonder if they'll end up losing the epl rights not necessarily because they can't afford to bid for them we've seen them bid ungodly amounts of money for the olympics so we know there's an appetite for sports but just because it's kind of a peripheral part of their strategy though with peacock and sacking nbcsn it's hard to say exactly what their strategy is so a lot of balls in the air right now and they all come down between today or the end of the 2021 season and 2024 the two exceptions I'll, I'll throw out there the bundesliga which espn has wrapped up until 2026 and the world cup the world cup rights are a beast unto themselves fox owns those until 2026 they have had them for a number of years i don't see them losing that bid unless they pull out of soccer entirely right and uh and bundesliga they, they just signed their deal with espn last year to, to start this year so this is the first year of bundesliga uh, on ESPN, they, they actually they took that uh, that deal away from Fox. Um, as a Who matter wasn't of fact, making so. good use of it. Let's be honest. No, they were no, they were not oh. even. Yeah, they were not not at all. Um, you know, at least, but at least Bundesliga games were on FS1 and FS2 occasionally. Um, the Bundesliga is never on ESPN at all. Period. And Bundes and at least Fox had the Fox Soccer Plus for the Bundesliga, so you watch all the Bundesliga two matches. Now they show like one Bundesliga two match. Uh, uh, a, a week and it's it's you know if you're a fan of a Bundesliga 2 team like I am with FC St. Pauli it's a pain in the ass you have to like listen to the you have to watch the the games on delay uh from the uh FC St. Pauli uh you know the, their feed so um just a pain what, in the ass but neither here nor there <laughs> well and, and that actually brings up a really interesting question which is from a consumer standpoint would you rather have a situation like the Bundesliga on ESPN where as long as you're interested in the Bundesliga one team, you can watch all of their games. You just have to stream it and you have to pay for ESPN plus, which is not egregiously priced, but is an additional cost. Five bucks a month. Yeah. Yeah. Or would you rather have a situation uh, more like the EPL or let's say even the English language Liga MX where 
there is some fixed number of games on broadcast, but your access to streaming is poor. And if you're looking for replays, you may as well be looking, you know, for the lost city of Atlantis. That's a good question and a good point. I don't, I don't necessarily know. I mean, I, I have specific teams I follow, so I'm, I guess I'm much more of the, I just want to be able to watch my team. So, um, but I, I just want to circle back to your point about NBC and EPL. I, I actually think that there is no way that NBC lets the EPL get away from them, um, especially considering how much they're invested in Peacock. They need, they need a, a something like, like the, I mean, they, they just, they just signed, a uh, big deal to basically take over the WWE network um, to add that to the uh, Peacock lineup, you know, with hockey. I think they actually lose some, some of their hockey rights to ESPN. Probably. I think they, I don't think there's any way in hell that they let the EPL go. I think EPL is uh, um, a really a, a flagship thing that they can use to promote the hell out of Peacock and, and get people signed up for a streaming service. I think we'll start seeing less and less games on you know, the games are going to think at the end of this year, move to USA network, probably. So yep. between NBC and USA, I think we'll see less and less games on the, you know, sort of the, the cable uh, channels uh, or over the air, like NBC games, but we'll see, and we're just going to see every game on Peacock. So they need to, and they need to get their fucking infrastructure put together for how you can like watch games and replay games and pause and things like that. That's a whole other conversation. I think I mean, maybe it's tied into here, but um, MJ uh, we've, Dan and I have rambled for a lot. So what do you have to say about this? I want to answer his previous question on like, what would I rather have? And for me, it depends on, do I have a team in the first division or am I just looking for games here or there around the league? Do I not have a, a dog in the fight, if you will? And so in the case of Bundesliga, since I'm a Union Berlin fan, it's been great to have ESPN Plus and I can watch all their games. I can replay the, their games. But if I were in David's shoes and wanted to see every FC St. Pauli game, it's a huge pain um, because they're in the spite of Bundesliga, they're in the second division. On something like Liga MX, where I am a very passive or casual Cruz Azul fan, I am very happy with the occasional time I get to watch any. Liga Equis club on uh, Univision or Telemundo, which are free over the air in Espanol. I don't, you know, I don't need to see every Cruz's rule game and I don't need to see every Liga Equis game. So I, as much as I would like to see Liga Equis get a centralized, you know, national NFL style, you know, all the games are packaged under one umbrella. Right now, the fracturing benefits me and my style of watching. Yeah, that's and that's fair. So, I mean, I have a so what I mean, I guess to sort of go back to circle back to the question of the consolidation or not consolidation. I mean, one actually one uh, ch- like network that we have not mentioned, which actually does not have uh, any U.S. based uh, networks for soccer, um, but has I th- believe several leagues rights in Canada and, and actually across the world is the zone, which has mostly been MMA boxing, you know, here in the U S but actually has a much bigger international presence. I'm not sure how, like how much feel, how familiar you guys are with the zone, but they also, they own a lot of uh, like, you know, domestic soccer rights in other, other parts of the world. 
So I think they could potentially be um, the only other, any other one too, you mentioned, uh, which if you listen to the Grant Wall uh, podcast is Fanatis, which it has the Brazilian league there. And they also, they also have like access to a bunch of the South American. I believe they also have Copa Libertadores rights and uh, a few other South American league rights. I think they may actually have the Argentinian uh, league as well. So Fanatis is another one that is sort of a, a player, but not as well known here in the U S. Yeah. And that, that sort of gets into what we're seeing with, as these contracts come up um, for contracts that were uh, the previous generation, we tended to see what are called Cadillac deals. So NBC, for example, uh, got the EPL rights and essentially got streaming thrown in for a song. They theoretically paid for it. It wasn't that much. Fanatis, Fanatis, however you pronounce that is streaming only. So that's how they got that deal. Despite the fact that Bayin has the broadcast rights, right? In these new deals, the things that are being negotiated now, we tend to see uh, a three-tier bidding system. One is the Cadillac deal for companies that want both. One is broadcast only. One is streaming only. Uh, and, and the tiers are weighted differently. Basically, uh, leagues and, and groups of owners are more willing to spend a little bit less money to get the assurance of um, Sky Sports having everything. Sky Sports isn't going to go out of business. There's no way that happens over the life of the contracts. They know they're going to get their money. Fanatis, uh, even if it's well run, even if it's well backed, they're just a little bit less secure. So they may turn down a slightly larger bid for the security of a larger company. Um, so that's a that's another piece that I think we'll start to see. We may start to see um, you know NBC retain EPL broadcast rights, but not pay for the streaming rights. And then all of a sudden that becomes a whole thing. So yeah. the, the landscape, we are about to see a massive landscape shift over the next three or four years. And yeah, I just don't have a clue what it's going to look like when, when the dust all settles and um, yet, yet, I, yeah, I yet. on your zone point. Cause I think it's super relevant. Um, they're a super interesting company, uh, but it is particularly notable that their current CEO is John Skipper who <laughs> left right. ESPN while he was at ESPN, that was their most aggressive period of acquiring rights. That's when ESPN had the World Cup. It's when they were really fighting Fox. EPL. Games. They had EPL. They had EPL. Yeah. Um, they were they were pissed when Fox beat them out for Bundesliga. Originally, it's why they came back and bid for it this time around. So I think we will consistently see DAZN try to bid for these rights. I I think they probably need a successful two or three years before they confront the money for it. Right. And to be frank, I have no idea what that looks like for the United States because their carriage here is terrible. Right. And the, in the other, and sort of in the sort of streaming space too, I think it's worth pointing out. I mean, as weird as it is, Netflix, uh, Amazon and Apple, uh, Apple, uh, Apple plus are all potential players. Amazon in the UK um, has uh, some streaming rights, for certain matches and, you know, and uh, exclusive rights actually to, to a few matches uh, as part of their, their deal. Uh, so, you know, while they're not necessarily hugely in the game here, I think any sort of streaming service could potentially be Dan to your point of the, of like having this, the streaming packages as its own thing could very much be in play as well. So. If I have to subscribe to HBO max, just to watch soccer, I'm going to be pissed off. But I you get all the other stuff. You get Dr. Who buddy. <laughs> That's worth 13 You know that I'm not a Doctor Who fan? I know, I know, I know. <laughs> screw, screw you guys. I've seen every episode of Doctor Who. Uh, <laughs> I'm very much a Doctor Who fan. I know MJ's not, so that's why, oh, okay. I, that's why I brought it up. Yeah. <laughs> Which, it's hilarious because a lot of people don't 
understand like where my nerddom is. And so like Wes was just like, wait, you're a bigger nerd than I am. I was like, yes, I was a physics major and a math minor, but like, yeah, I'm not interested in a lot of things that a lot of other physics majors and math majors. Draws are. the line at lady doctors, Dan. That's where he draws the line. <laughs> kidding, MJ. Um, I, uh, <laughs> kidding. Uh, I, any- I just can't get into that series. That's fair. Any any final words on on any of this stuff? I mean, the, I mean the other thing we also we didn't even mention like we have yeah NWSL and and Champions League are on CBS, but in terms of uh, access here in the U.S., that is streaming only. It's only over the over the air. They do play some of those matches. Uh, they replay them on the CBS Sports Network. But like if you want to watch the games live uh, on CBS for the Champions League, it's you have to watch on via all access, which is a shit uh, format. If you're not watching it on a computer, by the way, as well. So uh, there's lots of things that are already sort of off of the uh, and CBS took over that contract early because Bleacher Report and, and TNT and Turner bailed on that one after uh, or you know in, in the middle of the year last year, actually, when the pandemic hit, they just said, fuck it, we're out. And uh, CBS had bid on it for the previous uh, the next contract. They already won it and they decided just to take it over. So um yeah. I'm wondering how much hate Turner got, uh, Bleach Report and Turner got, just because they were not broadcasting the, the same number of games over the air that, that Fox was able to with their their tertiary networks or satellite feeds. Probably um, probably not as much as they got for Stu Holden's uh, attire uh, sure. on the yeah, pregame and, and postgame shows, <laughs> wait, honestly. Wait, what what, what What about a pastel pink suit and powder blue tie don't you like uh, nothing honestly uh <laughs> separate and but the dude fucking wore open-toed shoes uh, i'm just like no man <laughs> no uh anyways all right any, any final words on the uh tv contract stuff otherwise we will jump in we'll we have a few things world european soccer style that we need to talk about we can wrap this thing up all right i got i'll, I'll close here uh i won't touch on this long this is an entire separate pro- uh probably another entire podcast to be honest um we are getting into an interesting time in streaming because of how bad some of the new streaming networks are we've touched on this before but both peacock is a, is terrible interface wise and uh cbs all access which is about to become paramount plus uh isn't much better so it'll be interesting to see if that starts to play in but that's too far down the road to spend too much time on um i do want to mention that uh turner not only biffed their uh champions league rights they also had a huge digital content package with mls uh low eight figures was i believe the the number i saw and boy if any of us can name one thing they did with that contract i'll be surprised so (laughs) i i would love to know there is some internal story about somebody getting really excited at turner bidding for these rights and then uh completely either mismanaging them or they took another job and no one else internally was willing to pick up the slack, but Turner pissed away a lot of money on soccer. Wow. I had no idea about that. Uh, very quickly. What's, what do you guys think the uh, MLS rights will be like in 2022? I think here's what I think happens. I think ESPN and Fox retain their national TV games. And I think that the, uh, all of the, um, local games go to ESPN plus like, or, or, or Fox create some sort of service where like a, like a, like the like Fox soccer plus, honestly, which the thing that was existed for a long time so that games, there will be no local 
local games, every team will hire their own announcers. And if you're not a national game, the games will be like, there will be no um, announcers won't travel. So Cal and, and Kendra won't travel anywhere. They will only broadcast games that happen that are not national and are in Minnesota. I think that is kind of the, where this is trending for MLS. Do you guys have any other, any thoughts or anything different than that? I actually would, would welcome that, but I think it's still a, every team for themselves shit show uh, next year. Well, next year. Yeah. But after 2022. Yeah. Sorry. After 2022. Okay. No, I, I tend to agree with David uh, partially because of what we saw happen with DC United last year. Uh, Who did they have that was absolutely horrendous for their streaming? Wasn't it DAZN? It might have been. I think it was Uh, DAZN. Whoever it was, basically, it was inaccessible. The technology wasn't good. The stream... The geocaching was, like, bad. So, like, even people who were in, like, in the market couldn't get it. Yeah, I remember that. I think it was DAZN, actually. Uh, It it was, like, one of the first things that DAZN did, I think, if I'm not mistaken. They've, They've clearly fixed it stuff since then, but... Yeah, that certainly rings a bell. But point being, DC United basically went and and voided that contract, put it back up for bid, and ESPN was the one that stepped in and took it for ESPN Plus. Uh, and they've done it for an I, Chicago I fire. Say the fire. Yep, yep. yep, the fire as well. So I think we're already seeing the fingers of that strategy. So the extent to which there will and won't be home announcers that I, I I can't speak to because that's a little bit finicky. But big picture, yeah, I think ESPN is going to make a big big play. Um, it'll be really interesting to see if they continue the split with Fox. Um, strange bedfellows. It's something that Fox does for the NFL. It's not something ESPN does a lot is, is splitting that type of coverage. So, um, I mean, they, they do it with the NFL and I think ESPN is going to try to get, try to get back into the rot- rotation for football in terms of the Super Bowl and, and maybe making a bit at the Sunday night game, uh, which is the, the, you know, the premier, NFL game. It wouldn't surprise me, honestly, if ESPN Plus, if actually they do something basically like they do with uh, ESPN Plus for games that you can watch it in either Spanish or English, and they have you know either home announcer, away announcer options, so you can watch the game with the Minnesota United announcer, or you watch the game with the Seattle Sounders announcers. But the the announcers don't actually travel with the team; they they actually do like they were doing here during the pandemic, where they just they do the game from monitors in their own stadiums or whatever. So that would not surprise me at all. It would actually probably make a lot of sense. So MJ, you have the final word here. Oh, just that DC's uh, contract that they cut short was with low sports. Yes. Low sports. Okay. And I just wanted to get that fact right before we, we shit, shit on Daz and anymore. <laughs> That's before fine. John Skipper showed up and had us murdered. That's yeah, I, don't, I don't want John Skipper on my ass. So, all right. So the, 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 the latest news is that DC uh, is looking to, into talks uh they 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 faltered with nbc uh sports washington and are now looking at sinclair broadcasting hey yeah Uh, (laughs) all right some very brief uh world uh soccer news Uh, so the i know we talked i think we mentioned this very briefly a while ago but ryan reynolds and rob mcelaney uh basically uh (laughs) put a bid to take over Wrexham AFC football team. Uh, and their bid was accepted by the uh, club supporters and went through. So they are officially the owners of Wrexham AFC. And uh, man, now I, I forgot to check. Wrexham is in what? Division? National League. National League. Okay. Uh, For it, those it, that don't know, that's, uh, that's fifth. 
Yeah. That's that's right below League League Two. It's a great it's actually it's actually a really great story. Uh like Rob McElhinney was watching uh Sutherland Till I Die, and that's how he got interested in wanting to purchase a soccer team. Uh and so they actually I mean they've they've done they did their homework, they they did the did all the things. It's not so this is not some sort of glamour project for them, I think. I mean I think they're gonna obviously bring in people to, to run it. They're not gonna be doing day-to-day stuff, but I think they're also planning on making a documentary about about this whole it thing. Better be titled It's Always Sunny in Wrexham. <laughs> <laughs> and uh there's actually a really great uh one of the uh, a longtime supporter of Wrexham is disabled and put up like a basically like a GoFundMe to like remodel his bathroom. Or something so it was could be more accessible for him i don't know it somehow got like i was trying to remember the stories this is a while ago maybe a few months ago three or four months ago now and someone like forwarded the story to like or tweeted at rob mcelaney on twitter and basically like hey this is a person if you could help him out that'd be great and literally like he funded the whole thing he was it was like it was like eight thousand dollars something like that he just like he was like seven thousand dollars short and he the guy went to bed and when he woke up the next morning he saw that rob mcelaney had just like paid the the, the rest of the money the six or seven thousand dollars to like help like pay for the cost of like remodeling this guy's bathroom so he could be it'd be more accessible so he can live on his own. It's it. I think these guys are like, I love Ryan Reynolds. I love Rob McElhenney. I think they're both really good, funny dudes. And this sounds just like an amazing story. Note note to Stan Cranky: if you want to endear do yourself to English fans, you know maybe show that you care about the fans. I mean, just as as a I don't know. Right. I'll follow, I mean, I'll follow Wrexham. I, you know, I, I got, I got nothing, you know, I'm not going to follow him from afar because there's no way to watch, I don't think watch Wrexham <laughs> AFC matches, but um, I think it'll be, it'll be interesting. And yeah, like they're making a documentary. So obviously they're, they're, you know, I'm sure they got some development deal for that. So I'm sure they're, you know, making money on this thing, but it also sounds like they really do actually like, care about it. And, you know, um, if I'm not mistaken, Wrexham has some, has some, you know, football history. So They've been around for a long time. Obviously, a lot of most English and uh, um, you know Great Britain clubs have been. So, uh, all right. Finally, or a couple other things. Um, she believes Cup is uh, happening. Starts kicks off on Thursday, I believe. Right? Correct. The eighteenth on Thursday. Yeah. Uh, it's Brazil, Argentina, USA, and Canada. Uh, most of these games are going to be on FS1 or TDN. Um, Brazil, Argentina kicks off at three p.m on thursday with usa versus canada at 6 p.m central time uh games on sunday are uh usa brazil at two and then argentina canada at five in the next week on wednesday uh canada brazil at three and then usa argentina at six uh for those of us here in the central standard time so uh the fact that they did not schedule this so that match day three uh next wednesday was not canada u.s uh brazil argentina is a huge mistake on the schedulers um you put those rivalries at at the apex and they should be the climax or the end of this um, amazing four-team tournament oh well yeah i mean what are you gonna do what are you gonna do uh the usa brazil game on sunday should be fun though uh yeah. and all those so any quick predictions on on this tournament other than the usa smoking everybody i mean the u.s is definitely still the favorite but this is such a great tournament uh it's it, it may not have the prestige of the olympics or uh the world cup but it's gonna be 
all four of these teams badly want to win it. And I think other than Argentina, who will get smote, uh, <laughs> I think any of them can. The U.S. will be yeah. the favorite, but they, they'll have to earn it. Yep. Do, do not uh, underestimate the chip that Canada has on their shoulder um, from previous uh, U.S. encounters. Uh, the Olympic semifinal one that I'm thinking of being the most uh, egregious, if you will. Or just generally. I mean... <laughs> Canada's got like a real chip on their shoulder when it comes to sports, like broadly speaking. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, yeah, I'm thinking of versus the USA. Uh, this is the first She Believes Cup that Canada has been invited to or is involved with. Uh, Canada filled USA's spot in the Algarve Cup after they won 10 out of their 20 appearances or, you know, they won about half or a little over half of, of their appearances in the Algarve Cup in Portugal until they decided they wanted to start their own tournament in 2016. So this, this tournament is very young. I would like to point out in 2016, uh, due to not wanting to step on the toes of the Algarve Cup and who they traditionally invited, which is a lot of Nordic countries like Sweden and Norway, 2016, the Sheepley's Cup lineup was United States, Germany, England, and France. And if you think yeah. about where those other three countries were in 2016 versus how they performed in the 2019 Women's World Cup. Those three countries have come a long way. The I'm really interested to see in this, like how Argentina does because they are the, the weak link, if you will, and not maybe what this means for Argentina in 2021, but what does this mean for a team like Argentina, you know, three or four years down the line? For sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, honestly, uh, the U.S. women playing is better than most soccer played around the world. So definitely if you're not watching the U S women's national team, what the fuck is wrong with you is my big question. So, all right. Anything else guys, uh, or we can, uh, we can wrap this well, up. Garba cup was canceled um, due to something called COVID-19. So, <laughs> so weird, but they're going to like, you know, jam this so, thing. It, it, weird. Portugal and, and Europe aren't, aren't having a women uh, 14 or 18 women's women's cup competition this year. Well, yeah. Portugal's like in lockdown right now though. So um, that actually makes a ton of sense. So um, USA I'm is guessing, just, I'm guessing the, the, the Asian women's uh, cup and, and the, the uh, Cyprus one are canceled as well. But, that's just my guess. Probably because, you know, USA is fucking terrible. So um, the, the country, not the women's team. So we got four <laughs> Western Hemisphere clubs to, to agree to this tournament. Let's let's enjoy it while we got it. Right, right. All right, guys. Well, hey, thank you so much. This was, uh, this was fun. Please always remember to rate and review the podcast. I don't check the ratings very often, but I should actually go on Apple. If you're if you listen to this podcast on Apple, um, give us a, you know, give us a five-star review and, and say some nice words about us. Uh, Davesanno.com, patreon.com slash Davesanno, uh, at TDIKMN on Twitter. I'm at Texas Zeller. Oh, sorry. I, I should mention, I'm interviewing Sean Aronson from the St. Paul Saints again. So if you have any questions about uh, the Saints becoming a AAA affiliate of the Twins uh, and or how things were with them for, they actually had people in their stadium last year during the middle of a COVID outbreak. Uh, I'll be answering him a lot of those questions um also just chatting baseball because i love baseball as well so uh you can email questions or at uh, uh or send the tw questions on twitter at tdikmn or hit me up uh directly at texas zeller dance at d wade uh mj is at mj matsui we have been the daves you know this is the daves i know now, but we have got to try and work it out.
think, son. Long as you do yours, land here, become fecund. Yeah. Uh, we, we do yeah. our thing, son. Through the act, we attract two, hope to reach one. Uh, we, yeah. we, we do our thing. Do it. We do our thing, son. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be done. We, we, we do our thing, son. I can't imagine it all, yo.